I'm so thankful for this opportunity to be with you. It seems like I haven't uh, been with you all in a weekend for a little while. It's not because I don't love you. I've just been being blessed to go and minister at some of the churches in the region and also abroad, and it's just kept me a little bit busier than normal this time of year. Uh, last weekend, was preaching all five services, four in the morning and one in the evening at Bayside Midtown, and so... I tell you, I, I was thankful for the two on Saturday and two on Sunday here, I tell you. And, uh, but I am doubly blessed because it is rare that I follow uh, an opportunity of sharing with you all after my wife has shared here. And my wife shared with the ladies on this last Friday. And uh, I need to get something really, really clear because there seems to be a little confusion. Uh, my wife Indeed, the lady you saw on Friday, ladies, and some of the gentlemen, that is my wife. That is not my daughter. She is indeed three <laughs> years younger than me. But everyone said, is that your wife, really? And uh, yes, she's only three years younger, but God has preserved her. I don't know what she's drinking. <laughs> but the Lord has truly preserved her. It's like she got to 23 and stopped. But uh, I'm so thankful for uh, the blessing of just hearing the good reports that you all have been sharing, some of the ladies again have just come up and said that you were encouraged and you were strengthened by the word that she shared with you. So I'm grateful for that. And I'm thankful for our women's ministry here that's just doing a marvelous job. Let's clap our hands for our women's ministry and the work that they're doing, encouraging our ladies. We're going to get right into the word. We have a lot of ground to cover, but we only have a short amount of time to get there. So let's pray and see what the Father has for us. Father, thank you for this, your beloved, and my dear ones that are here. It is always an honor and a privilege. I don't take it lightly that I would stand before these gracious people, God, that are called your children. I thank you, Lord, for this. Would you now give us clarity of thought, continuity of thinking, accuracy of the text. Help your servant to share in such a way that even a child would be able to embrace and receive the powerful truth that is given to us through the revelation of the text. We love you, Lord. You know this, and we give you all of the praise, all the adoration. I do extol you. I exalt you. I lift your name high, O oh God. You are worthy of all the praise and the glory and the honor. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Open your Bibles with me, if you will, please, to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. We are continuing in our series that our pastor, Pastor Lance, has been leading us in, very powerfully so, a series which is called Called by God. It is entitled Called by God. And the emphasis is being given to us through both Pastor Lance's teaching and Pastor Brian and Pastor Matt, who have shared in this teaching, and I once before, that indeed all of us who are the children of the living God, we have been called to ministry. We have been called to the work of ministry. We've been called to the work of ministry, leadership. Every one of us, under the sound of my voice, those who have come in this room prior to you in the previous services, and those who are not here, those that are watching online, live stream, every one of us who are children of the living God have been called to the work of ministry, to leadership. So it's not a matter of us just being just Christians. But in being followers of Christ, we step out in that calling. We step out in that which God has called us to do. And as Jesus is identified as our king, we, his children, have been blessed now to come into the kingdom. We've been beckoned to come into the kingdom of God through salvation. We're, we're, watch this, we're in the world, but we're not of this world. We, we live under a different principle, a different government. We live in this government, but we're not of this government. We're of the kingdom of God. There, there are things in God's word that transcend and, and supersede all of the structures and all the things that can be imposed by humankind. We're in God's kingdom. We are his people. And I was sharing this earlier it's in the, I believe, the 15th verse where there's some reference to this where Jesus is referenced as the 
king, capital K, of kings and the Lord of lords. Typically, and and, and most people would identify that as being that he is the, the king of other sovereigns as it relates to nations and other uh, governmental structures and so forth. And that, and that certainly is true. We can use it in that reference. But I, I've, I've learned the more that I've embraced being in the kingdom of God, I've, I've also embraced the reality that uh, Jesus is the king of kings, the Lord of lords. In, in other words, uh, the, the scriptures declare that we are kings and priests before our God. As he rules, we reign with him. We rule and reign in his government, in his kingdom. You need to know that. You're not merely a Christian trying to make it to heaven as though you've been given fire insurance. Okay. You and I are indeed kings and priests before our God. That's, that, that really indicates how I even relate to you and how I speak to you and I treat you. When I come around the people of God, I relate to you as being royalty. I relate to you as being dignitaries within the kingdom of God. You're not just Joe, Bob, Mary, Liz. You are his kings, his queens. You rule and reign with him. So my interaction with you is one of high honor and high respect. That's why when I stand out here and stand before you, I'm humbled by it. I'm I'm humbled that God would have me stand before his people, his royalty, see, his royal family, to share with you the words of the living God. So again, we are are the kings, little k, we're the lords, little lord, within the kingdom of God in which he is the king of kings and the lord of lords, given the responsibility of advancing the rule of our God. Uh, We are all different, but we're all called. We're diverse in our gifts. We're diverse in our ethnicity, our culture, our social economic status. But every one of us have been called very diverse, but yet called. There's not a believer that is on the planet that is not called into, watch this, daily ministry for the Lord. We have a job to do. We have a responsibility, and we're to do it, watch this, purposely, on purpose, with purpose, for purpose. We're not accidents. We're not mistakes. We're not just here taking up space. God has purposely placed us in the earth in such a time as this that we would be witnesses of his kingdom upon the earth. And watch this, with that calling... He has also given us what we need to be equipped to fulfill the calling. Let me be more specific with you. He has not only called you, but he's equipped you. He's equipping you. Whatever God calls you to do with the vision, he gives provision. He allows you to not only be called, but he says, you're not going to try to figure this out on your, on your own. You're not just out here trying to work it out and, you know, just try to figure out, God, how am I going to be able to do this? No, God says, I will, with the calling, equip you to do what I've called you to do. You've heard my testimony. I'm a witness of that. In all of what the uh, people who study these things say, including physicians and including those who are involved in linguistics and so forth and, 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 and the special ed instructors back in the 70s. In, in the natural, I should not be standing before you speaking right now. In the natural, I should yet be, as I did until I was 17 years old, I should be stuttering over my words and taking at least three to four minutes just to get my name out of my mouth. But at the age of 17... I experienced a divine encounter of the Holy Spirit that in God's touching me, he he loosed my tongue and put a boldness on the inside of me. So you put me up on a stage in front of people with a Bible, it's on. It's on. There's there's a confidence 
that he has given me, to even be able to look people in the eye. I don't say that of my own strength. I don't say that of my own ability. I tell you this, that God with the calling, when he called me to do what I'm doing right now, he says, don't worry about what the teachers said. Don't worry about the fact that they said that you are an underachiever and that you would never be able to pass this class and you would never be able to do this like this other student was able to do. God says, I am a God who knows how to show up and show out. I know how to make even those who are the critics into liars. And that's what he did. He set me free. He set me free. And he is setting you free. There's something that he has called you to do, and every one of you have been called to do it in the name of the Lord with his equipping. We're going to take it a step further as we look at our text today, and we're going to find out that when you are called to do the work of ministry, when you're called to do the work of the Lord, you and I must be fully aware that there is opposition that we're going to face. There are going to be some things that are going to come against us some adversarial forces, which we'll identify in just a moment, that will come. And there are a million things that will be fighting against our lives, fighting against our family, fighting against our children, fighting against the ministry, all of these things, but we're to remain focused on what God has called us to do and take our stand. My dad used to say to me all the time, he said, Son, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. We're going to find out what we're to stand for and how we take that stand boldly. Look with me here in the text, beginning at verse 11. We pick it up where Pastor left off. Notice here in verse 11, he says, But as for you, this is Paul speaking to Timothy, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. What things? Well, the things that he's been talking about previously within the chapter, the things that he's been sharing with us that we've been reviewing thus far in chapter 6. Flee these things. Uh, chapter 6 is primarily written as to show the conduct or behavior or the character or integrity that is to be found in the element of business as it relates to how we handle our daily business. He starts out by talking about the false teachers. He starts out by talking about the greed and coveting things that uh, we want and th this attitude of just going after stuff and things. He, he seemingly takes a pause and addresses something very specifically with Timothy and subsequently ourselves. And then he's going to pick it up again and begin to talk about money again. As Pastor shared with us, it, 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 the, the money in and of itself, money is not a bad thing. Money's not a bad thing. But where we're told is that we're not to love money or love things or fall into an attitude of greed. That, that's the attitude. It's not how much money you have in your bank account. It's the attitude that you have regarding money or regarding things. So the, the thing that Paul draws out here is that uh, we're to flee these things. What things? Greed, covetedness. The things that are counterproductive as we're getting ready to come into in the next couple of weeks, we're going to celebrate Christmas. And some of us are so focused about the fact that there's nothing under the Christmas tree yet. And we're worried about, are we going to get this? Are we going to get that? Or some of us will go for broke trying to buy things to win the approval or the love of people. We'll find ourselves in debt, max our credit cards up, trying to buy stuff trying to buy love, try to buy appreciation. It's sad when you buy all of this stuff for folks who don't even appreciate it after you give it to them. It'd be like when my wife and I had our son and we thought we were really doing something big. I'll never forget his second birthday. We bought all of this stuff, all of these toys. I mean, just stuff, battery-operated, electric-operated, just toys, toys. All It looked like a living, walking toy land. For him to tear all the toys out the boxes and play with the boxes. <laughs> there will be many of us that will go after trying to keep up with the Joneses. Trying to get what other people have. That, that's a sense of greed. Paul says to Timothy, he says, 
Flee that. Flee that. Flee this, this idea of loving stuff. Nothing wrong with having things, but don't let the things have you. That, that's the attitude that Paul is saying here. Flee this, but he doesn't stop there. He says, flee these things, but go after these things. Pursue these things. Look what he says. Pursue righteousness. Lean into godliness. Go hard towards faith. An attitude of faith. Press into love. That's, that's agape. That's unconditional love. Uh, really pursue, lean heavy into steadfastness. No matter how hard it gets, remain solid and stable. And then gentleness. Pursue gentleness. Did you catch? Beloved, that he doesn't say just flee something, but go after something else. Don't just flee, but move towards something. Go towards something. Uh, my challenge with many believers including myself at times, is that I will find myself in watching other believers do the same thing. We tend to really lock into the things that we are against, things we don't believe in, the things that we're not for. We're real good at that as Christians, as believers, talking about what we're not for and what we're against. But what would happen if we were to lean into what we are for not so much what we're against. What would happen if we really began to pay attention to what the priorities are? And watch this. Begin to live out and fight for what we are for and not so much fight for what we're against. Did you catch what I just said? Oh, it's, it's a different way of thinking. It's a, as a brother told me a moment ago, he says it's a paradigm shift. Because we're real, we're real good at church folks. We're real good at. I'm against this. I'm against that. I don't believe in that. I'm against that. And that's. I understand where you're going with that. But what would happen if we shift our thinking and begin to live out what we are for, what God has called us to be and to do? I submit to you. That there will be things that would look different not only within your life, but within your family, within your community, within all of this, our, our, our church and all of the region. We would see things very differently because that's the place where love begins to move in a very profound way. Go after these things. Our church here at Bridgeway, and I brag about you all wherever I go, I tell people, ah, God is doing some very unique things up here. Some awesome things. Can any good come out of Roseville? There are some things that God is doing in this place because we're surrounded by people that are pursuing, going hard after some specific things such as true transformation, uh, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the belief that the Holy Spirit is present today and He yet moves among His people. We're, we're pressing into that. We're leaning into that. This idea of a unconditional love of all people regardless of their ethnicity, regardless of their cultural background, uh, to embrace that intentionally. That, that, that's happening here. Uh, this idea of reconciliation. This idea that God wants people to be together, that we are better together. Uh, there's something unique, even to the point that there are churches within the region now that are looking at what's happening here at Bridgeway and, uh, and they're seeking to try to model it within their own church, their own staff, their own people. The diversity of pastoral leadership. There, there are ministries that watch me and Pastor Lance to see, is this thing really real? Do we really like each other? Do we really, really like each other? Or are we just doing it for a show? Is it just something when we say that all people are valuable to God? Are we just talking out of our lips? Or are we really living it? I submit to you we're doing exactly what Paul said. We're pursuing it. We're going after it. We're pursuing it. We're pursuing righteousness. 
We're pursuing godliness. We're pursuing faith. We're pursuing love. We're pursuing steadfastness. And we're pursuing gentleness. Because there's a real adversary that we deal with. The adversary that we deal with has been identified in our teaching here in our church. It's threefold. We deal with the enemy or the adversary of Satan. There is a real devil. Don't let anyone fool you and tell you, well, the devil is just a figment of the imagination. There's no real devil. Trust me, sweetheart. There is a real devil. He's real. Not only do we have the first aspect or first dimension of our adversary, which is the devil, but we also have the second dimension, which is world systems. The systems of this world. How the world thinks. Dog eat dog. Cat eat cat. Rat eat rat. It's, it's this idea that everything consumes everything. That's the system of the world. But then there's also the third dimension of our adversary, and that is referred to as the flesh. Or I like to say it this way, the enemy in a me. My own flesh, when God says, stand still and I keep moving, God says, go right, I go left. God says, go left, I go right. God says, be quiet, I run my mouth. That's, that's the flesh. That is a real adversarial force that we deal with. We deal with Satan. We deal with world systems. We deal with our own flesh. And therefore, Paul says, flee and pursue. Don't just flee and stand there looking doofus. Flee and pursue. I have brought you out of darkness and delivered you to light. You have come out of bondage, but I've delivered you to freedom. See, that, a lot of believers get stuck. We come out, but we don't go to. We move from, but we don't move towards. And the call of God that is upon our life is that we step into. We move boldly, with intentionality, boldly into what God has called us to stand in. And then fight for it. With all that's within us. Let me say something and then we'll move on. But I like the fact that he says flee greed, flee covetedness because the reality is, beloved, hear me, greed destroys your testimony. Greed can destroy the testimony of call, God's calling upon your life. I remember several years ago, my wife and I had this favorite restaurant we loved to go to. It was our soul food restaurant called H&B's. It was in Oak Park on Martin Luther King Boulevard. And we had to go there because that's the only place that had the good food that we really, really liked that tastes like mama's home cooking. You understand what I'm saying? It had collard greens, black-eyed peas. You understand what I'm saying? And, and neck bones. And, y'all don't know nothing about no neck bones, but <laughs> neck bones and, and all the stuff that we loved to eat, you know, at the time. Now, I can't eat that stuff anymore. I really can't. I'm, I'm, I've got less years in front of me than I do behind me, so I have to really be careful with what I put into this body. But back in the day, I knew how to put it down. You know, it was on. I had to have certain foods. I figured like this. It's either, you know, I know people said, oh, you need to be healthy. I figure either live healthy or die happy. So anyway, I would love to go and eat fried pork chops. Every Sunday I had to have my fried pork chops and my wife and I would go to H&B's restaurant. It was owned by a lady by the name of Hazel Barron. She's in the presence of the Lord now. I hope it wasn't because of her fried pork chops. Anyway, she's in the presence of the Lord. And she would fix the fried pork chops. And I'll never forget, we got in the restaurant. My wife and I had just gone out of church and we sat down in our favorite booth. We had our favorite server. And let me tell you how greed works. We were sitting there and the server came and said, do you all want the usual? And we said, absolutely, give it to us, the usual, the fried pork cup chopped dinners for both of us. Well, she came back with this sad look on her face, and she said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Bishop. I'm sorry. Um, we are all out of the fried pork chops. We sold out. We only have one pork chop. We've got one pork chop that is left. Why don't we do this? We're just going to fry it. It's going to be on the house. And we'll put it here on the table. And you and your wife decide which one's going to get it. Wrong, <laughs> wrong instruction. Wrong instruction. Now, don't get me wrong. We love Jesus, but we love pork chops. You understand what I'm saying? 
And that pork chop was sitting there in the middle of the table. And I kid you not, the minute the lady put it in the middle of the table, my wife and I reached at the same time, wanted to snatch it from the other, and the pork chop flew across the restaurant and landed on the floor. I was hoping for the two-second rule, but there were too many people that were in the restaurant. Do you understand? They threw away the fried pork chop. And I thought to myself, because of our greed, neither one of us got the pork chop. Now, here's the sad testimony. Here's the sad thing. The sad thing is, if you were to talk to some of those people, that server today, they will tell you. They don't talk about, oh, yeah, Parnell pastored a great church. Oh, praise God. Oh, yeah, Lady Di's a wonderful woman of God. Proverbs 31 she is, all the way from her head to her toe. They talk about the flying pork chop (laughs) that we fought over that day. Greed can destroy your testimony. Greed can change your witness. Paul says, flee those things and pursue these things. Pursue righteousness. Pursue godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. We can't do it by ourselves, can't we? We can we? We, we? we need the help of God to help us with those things. That's why James picks it up in James 4, verse 7 through 8. He says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. Watch this, you double-minded. James identifies where the battle is. It's between the two ears. It's the mind. It's how we think. It's the thinking in which the adversary, the threefold adversary, works against us. To oppose us. The battle you have is not a flesh and blood battle. The battle you have is not the person that's on the job. The battle you have is not the person that's in the house. The battle you have is not your neighbor. The battle that we deal with is the battle that's in the spiritual realm. That impacts our thinking, our mind. That's why Paul later would say that we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. In other words, we have to move from a place of stinking thinking where our thoughts are not aligned with the things that we're called to pursue. Our thoughts are not aligned with righteousness. Our thinking is not aligned with godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. God has given us, hear me, beloved, he's given us everything we need to equip us to win the battle. Everything we need has been given to us. According to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4, the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly or carnal weapons, but they are mighty weapons through God. Not your own strength, not my strength, but through God. For what? The pulling down. The pulling down of strongholds. And I paraphrase, until our thinking is aligned with total obedience to God. Until our thoughts are in total obedience to what God has called us to do. Look what he says in verse 12. Paul continues in this exhortation to Timothy. And notice the word that he uses here. He says, Timothy, fight. Fight the good fight of the faith. He's speaking to this young preacher. This young man by the name of Timothy and subsequent, he is speaking also subsequently to all of us. He says, fight, comes from the Greek word agonizo, which we get the word agony. Fight, agonizo, fight the good fight. Fight, not briefly, but fight for a while. Fight for a while. It's a a continuous fight. Fight, agonizo, fight for a while. This won't be a quick three-rounder. This won't be a quick five-rounder. It may go 10 rounds. It may be 15 rounds. But keep fighting. Agony. 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 The pain of it. The challenge of it. The stress of it. The frustration of it. The fear. The disappointment. Keep fighting. Fight. Why? Because it's a good fight. It's a good fight. When you pursue the things that are tied to your calling, you will face all type of opposition. But don't give up. 
Keep fighting. Fight for yourself. Fight for your children. Fight for your husband. Fight for your wife. Fight for your grandchildren. Fight for your church. Fight for your neighborhood. Fight for your city. Fight, but make sure it's a good fight. What makes it a good fight? What makes it a good fight is that you go after that which is going to honor God. In the end, he's glorified. He's praised. Fight the good fight of the faith. Then he goes on to say, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Notice here, he's not talking about, hear me, he's not talking about get saved, Timothy. Timothy's already received the Lord. That's not what he's talking about. He's not telling them, Timothy, I want you to get saved. I want you to receive Jesus. No, that's a done thing. It's past. He's already received the Lord. He says, I want you to take hold of the eternal life, or in other words, not only take hold of your salvation that brought you into the kingdom of God, but I want you to take hold of the promises. Take hold of God's word. Take hold of your confession. Take hold of the benefits and the rights that have been bestowed upon you because you are sons and daughters of the living God. How many believers settle for this mentality? If I can just make it into heaven. If I can just get there. You know, trouble don't last always. And God says, I have so much more for you. I've got so much more for you. If you really knew who you are in God's kingdom, if you really, I'm going to say it to you like this, and I hope you all get this. The adversary is so fearful that you will begin to identify who you are in Christ Jesus and begin to live out the rights and the privileges that come to you as being his sons and daughters. He loves it when you just go home and look sad and look depressed and say, well, that was a nice message. I can't wait for the next one. He hates the fact that you will take the word and apply the word to your life and the weak will begin to say that they're strong. And those who are sitting with disease in your body, you will say, by his stripes I am healed. Or you will sit there and begin to speak over your family and speak over your marriage despite the circumstances and despite what it looks like. You will say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. He hates the fact that you really take God at his word, that he promised that he would never leave nor forsake you. He hates the fact that your eyes eyes have become open and you are realizing that you're not just a weak believer, but you're a mighty man and woman of God. That's the thing that destroys the works of darkness. Oh, hallelujah. When you know not just who you are, but who you are in him, it changes the atmosphere. It changes what's going on around you. Yeah, I'm going to be quite, you may still cry, but you don't cry like one who has no hope. You may still get frustrated, but you don't sit there and just look around like it's just all hopeless. I don't know what I'm going to do. Because even though you sit there with your hand on your cheek and talking about, oh my God, oh my God, God, you begin to realize is not sitting around with his hands on his cheek saying, oh myself. <laughs> you realize that you've got some spiritual weapons. That God is for you. He's, can I say that up in here? God is for you. He's not against you. God is for you. He has come, may I dare say it, to make us whole. He has come to bring us into a different dimension of thinking. A different way of thought. He has come to show us, may I dare say it, a better way, believers. A better way. Not the way that everybody else is living, but a way that is godly. A way that is, again, showing that he is indeed in control. Take hold. Will you touch three people around you real quick and say, take hold of eternal life. Come on, tell them. Take hold of eternal life. Take hold of eternal life. Take hold of your rights. Take hold of your position. 
Take hold of what God has equipped you with. Oh, I feel like preaching right there. Take hold of what God has equipped you with. Take hold of it. Don't just sit and wonder and just look around in case Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. Take hold of eternal life. The rights and the privileges that come to God, which you were called, past tense, and which you were made to have a good confession, past tense, in the presence of many witnesses. Peter kind of alludes to this. Not only alludes to it, he actually affirms this in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. Listen to how Peter words it. He says, his divine power, his divine power, God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. All things in the natural and all things in the spiritual. Through, catch this, the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. How? Through the knowledge. How do you access this? Through the knowledge. See, what you don't know will hurt you. And what you don't know, believer, can ultimately cause you to walk as a victim instead of a victor. That's why you fall asleep when the Bible's open. You said, because the adversary knows if you begin to speak this word and pray this word and declare this word and fight and stand in this word, that you will begin to walk victorious in your life and also be able to be a blessing into the lives of others. I like, again, what Peter says. He says he has called you into his own glory and into his own excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them, through what? His great promises, through his precious promises, that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. That's God's word to us. That's God's promise. Look back with me at verse 13. Look what it says in verse 13 of 1 Timothy 6. He says here, I charge you. Strong word here. Listen to what he says. Timothy, I charge you. Timothy, pay attention. Timothy, get this. Timothy, don't only hear this, but do something with it. Don't just hear it. But as you hear it, it is, watch this, it is being imparted to you, watch this, it is being imparted as to activate in your life. I charge you. It's connected with you. It's not just now a scripture that's in the Bible. It's something now that's clearly, it's a rhema word that's in your spirit now. It's a part of your being. When you go, wherever you go, this word goes with you. That's what he's saying here. It's not just, I charge you. No, it's, it's deep. I charge you. Watch this. I charge you in the presence of God. In other words, it doesn't just fall on your shoulders, Timothy. You're not the only one that's got to work it out. You're not just fighting a battle. But I charge you, watch this, in the presence of a living a loving and a powerful God who lives inside of you, who is around you, who has promised He will never leave nor forsake you. You've got everything you need. I charge you in the presence of God. Can I just make it personal to us here in Bridgeway? I charge y'all. I charge you, sister. I charge you, brother. In a room that is not just occupied with warm bodies, but in a room that is surrounded by millions of angels, ministering spirits of the living God, in a room that is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. In a room that there's enough healing and wholeness that has saturated this place because people have been praying all week and all morning and walking in this auditorium and praying in the prayer room anticipating that you would walk in here with your struggles, with your challenges, with your pain. I charge you in the presence of God. He goes on to say, who gives life 
to all things. Who gives life to all things. I charge you in the presence of God, brothers and sisters, who gives life to your situation. Who gives life to the woman that's sitting up in here and the man that's sitting up in here and says, there'll be no Christmas celebration for me this year. I've gone too, too, too much. It's just too hard. This, life's just rough. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to the woman that's gone through the divorce is sitting here. Last year you were sitting next to your spouse. Now your spouse is not next to you this year and you're hurting. You had to press your way just to get to the house of the Lord today. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things. To the person who's sitting here that went to the doctor and the doctor is giving you a negative report and says in six months you may not be here. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things. To the person that's sitting here not knowing where your child is. You haven't heard from them. They haven't called. They haven't texted. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to your situation who gives life to your pain who gives life to every aspect of our lives don't give up don't give up don't give up I charge you he gives life I got to put a pause on it right there because the presence of the Lord is in this room the presence of the Lord is in this room I charge you in the presence of God who has come to give you life. Everything that's tried to sit upon you and make you heavy and frustrated and give up and throw in the towel. We take authority of those things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we declare without hesitation, he whom the Son sets free is indeed free. And we say, woman, man, you will live and declare the goodness of our God. I need 10 of y'all to give God the highest praise and bless Him right there. Come on, don't play with it. Give Him the best praise right there. It's a fight going on, y'all. You got to get your form. Come on, somebody. There's a fight going on. You got to get your form. When I was growing up in the little Pentecostal church, we used to sing a song. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. I'm a soldier in the army. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. I'm a soldier in the army. Now, these were songs that we did not copyright. We just made them up as we went along. We added verses to it. Got my war clothes on in the army of the Lord. Then we add another verse. If I die, let me die in the army of the Lord. We didn't have all of the money. We didn't have the finest houses. We didn't have the best cars. Some of us, like my mother and my auntie, cleaned other people's houses, raised their children, cooked their meals, came back, didn't have a lot of anything. But we would come in and sing that song. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord because we knew it was a good fight. We'd sing so much we'd get our own selves happy and just start, hey! That's the kind of fight you got to have in you. I said, that's the kind of fight you got to have in you. I said, that's the kind of fight you got to have in you. It's a good fight. Don't just turn it over and say, I give up. Don't just turn it over and say, I just don't know what I'm going to do. Don't just sit around and spend money to ease the pain. Tis the season to be jolly, not in debt and in folly. Y'all all right, I'm almost done. We go. <laughs> Woo! Listen to what he says. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who is in, even in his testimony before Pontius Pilate. He made the good confession. Why did he make a good confession? Because it was a good fight. Our ultimate model, our ultimate leader, Jesus, he shows us how to win. He made his confession. A good confession to keep the commandment. What did he do? He kept the commandment. What did he do? He kept the commandment. The promises of God. What did he do? He kept the commandment. He kept the promises of God. How did he fight? He kept the commandment. He kept the promises of God. How did he win? He kept the commandment. He kept the promises of God. Unstained. That's before God. And free from reproach. That's before people. Until the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how we're to live. We're to do it just like Jesus did it. 
I like what the apologist Tim Keller said a couple of weeks ago. I was with him in New York. We were having a conversation. He made this statement to me. He says, the basic premise of religion, that if you try hard to be good, things will go well for you, is wrong. Jesus lived perfectly, yet he suffered. Sometimes bad things can happen, even to those of us that consider ourselves to be good people. It's a part of living. But it's because of the opposition that you and I face. Yesterday, before I came into the service, I got a text from a young man I went to school with 35 years ago at Oral Roberts University. He says, Parnell, can you call me? I need to talk to you. I already knew the guy's story. I already knew the pain that he was in. I knew this would be a hard time for him. This time of year would be very difficult for him. Because in January, the beginning of the year, his mother passed away suddenly then in February his wife's mother who lived with them she passed away she was ill but it was unexpected that she would pass then two months later he'd go to work to the, at the church and get a phone call that his wife of 52 years old would go to her school as a middle school teacher and before the class would start she would just collapse and die suddenly at 52 years of age in the classroom there in Atlanta. And then on top of that, or aside from that, then three months ago, or th rather three weeks ago, his dog of 13 years dies. So mom, mother-in-law, wife, and then your dog. <laughs> and he's sitting there, and he says to me, he says, Parnell, will you pray for me? Because I'm so hurt. I'm so lonely. And I remember saying to him, how can I pray for you? I'm already going to pray a prayer of comfort. I'm already going to pray a prayer that God would lift your heart. But I was looking to see, was there some element of life that could be resurrected? And there was. He said, would you pray that God might just possibly Bless me with another companion, someone I could share my life with. Oh, I said, man, that's what I'm talking about. What color do you want our hair to be? What, what color do you want our eyes? Let's go to work. See? See, you can sit or you can grieve and grieve and grieve, and you can scratch Christmas off your list, or you can say, I will live and not die. You can say, oh, no, 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 I've been through some things. What is it about church folks that think you don't ever have to go through anything? What is it about church folks that think we're just, we're just tiptoe through the tulips? It's just supposed to be a, ooh. Somebody lied to you, baby. Some of us have the testimony that since you've been serving Jesus, the heat has turned on. See, don't think that because you're in Jesus, you'll never have to face anything. Don't ever think that, beloved. It seems like at times it may even seem worse. But don't give up. God is for you. God is for you. I've got to get ready to close, but I'll say this last passage here and read it to you. And I think you'll understand where I'm going with this because it's so imperative. Look what he says in verse 15. Jesus, our ultimate model. He says, notice here. Jesus will display at the proper time he who is the blessed and only sovereign potentate, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. This, again, is the manifestation of Jesus in his full glory that will be manifested when we stand before him. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Why, 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 why does Paul take time to bring this emphasis about the glory of Jesus that will be revealed? Because he's giving us a hope, beloved. Here's what he's showing us. Don't trip over the stuff that's going on right now in your life. Because ultimately God's glory is going to be revealed. There's something you're going to see about the job you got laid off. 
You don't understand it right now. You're hurting. I just got laid off just before Christmas. I can't believe they would do that. Some of you are filling it with expletives. Don't blinkety, blankety, blankety, blanks. And God says, if you just be still, I'm going to show you in a moment my glory that's going to be revealed. In a moment, you're going to see why the attack is coming against your family like it is. You're going to see it. If you can agonize with it just for a while, God says, don't give up. Keep fighting. Keep fighting. It's a good fight. Get your form. Get your form. Don't back up on the ropes. Get up. Even when they count you down, 10, 9, 8, 1. Almost zero, but... (laughs) He says, put your hand back on the rope and get back up. Get back up. Keep fighting. Because here's how it ends, beloved. When it's all said and done, when we finish all that we're facing, we have read the end of the book, and guess what? We win. We win. We win. We win. Stand to your feet all over the room. Stand to your feet, babies, all over the room, if you will. Touch a hand, touch a shoulder, touch an elbow. Everybody, touch somebody. Prayer team, if you'll come up, though, quickly, if you will. The prayer team, if you'll come up. But everybody, touch a hand, touch an elbow, touch a shoulder. Touch somebody. Everybody touching somebody. Don't let anyone stand here by themselves. The first thing the adversary will try to do is isolate you from the body. Isolate you from the people. That's why whatever you're facing, don't let it stop you from coming to church. Keep coming to church. Keep coming to the house of the Lord. Keep coming to the place where the believers are. Keep coming to the body. Don't stop coming to church. If you need to go and and talk to someone in soul care, get some counseling, godly counsel. Maybe it's a rough time. Maybe the marriage is going through something. Make up your mind. The first of the year, we're going to fight. We're going to fight together. We're going to fight for our family. Schedule that appointment with soul care. Get into your missional community. Some of you just thought about the missional community and thought, oh, that's so cute. No, get connected to other believers in the missional community. When you come here and worship is going on, don't just sit and cross your legs and fold your arms and say, oh, that's wonderful. Like when the babies were up here. Some of you said, oh, that's nice. I thought we were going to have praise and worship today. Sweetheart, that was praise and worship. In its purest form. In its purest form right there. It was taking place before your very eyes. Don't give up. Fight. You hear me? Fight. Fight. It's a good fight. Let me declare it over you without hesitation. Everything will be all right. Everything will be all right. After the storm clouds have passed over, everything will be all right. Sis, everything will be all right. Believe it, brother. Everything will be all right after the storm clouds have passed over I declare over you everything will be all Right in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom I love all of my heart, all of my soul, and all of my strength. I decree and declare over your life, over your family, over your marriage, over your children, 
fight the good fight. Every stronghold, every demonic force, everything that's not like God, we command it to loose its hold in the name of Jesus. Take its hands off of God's property. We speak joy over you, peace over you, strength over you, life and life abundant in the name of Jesus, and it is so. Clap your hands and give God the highest praise. Come on, children. Give God the highest praise. Bless Him up in here. Glory to God. Ooh, I have preached myself happy. Glory to God. The prayer team is up here. They're ready to pray with you. If you want to receive the Lord, rededicate your life, or desire further affirmation of what God is doing, make your way up. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. We love you.